Let's look in our Bibles this evening to the book of Luke to chapter 12. The book of Luke and in chapter 12, I want us to read verse 37 through verse 44. First, let's have a word of prayer as we begin. Our Father, we thank you again for this day of life that you've given us. We're thankful that you've blessed us as you have and we're able to come here this evening to study your word and to worship you. We pray that you would help us as we look into your word. We pray that you would give us understanding of our duty and our responsibility as your people here upon this earth. Again, we pray for your people. We ask your blessings upon them. We certainly pray for your churches. We are so thankful for each one of them, and we just pray that you would bless them and lead them in gospel order. Thank you for our Savior. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for sending him into this world. Help us to just get a glimpse of what grace and mercy and love is involved when you sent your Son into this world. We're thankful for him, and we're thankful for the salvation, redemption that we have in and through our Savior, Jesus Christ. And in his name I pray, amen. The book of Luke in chapter 12, I began in verse 37. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. And if he shall come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. And this know that if the good man of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not have suffered his house to be broken through. Be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when ye think not. Then Peter said unto him, Lord, speakest thou this parable unto us, or even to all? And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward, when his Lord shall, whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household, and to give them their portion of meat in due season. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Of a truth I say unto you, that he will make him ruler over all that he hath. This evening I want us to look at the question of Jesus in verse 42 and seek to answer his question. Who then is that faithful and wise steward? I'd like for us to identify this faithful and wise steward and also see what is the business, what is the duty, the responsibility of this steward. Jesus asked the question, who then is that faithful and wise steward? 
I'll begin by just giving a definition of a steward, and then we'll look at the requirement of a steward. A steward, by Bible definition, is a servant appointed to, to manage and to maintain the affairs and the property of another. We could look at it in the term, I think, correctly, as one who is an agent for another. One who does care for the goods and the affairs of another. Now I want us to look at the requirement of a steward. And I did not say requirements plural. I said requirement singular. The requirement of a steward. Go with me to the book of 1 Corinthians and in chapter 4. In 1 Corinthians and in chapter 4, and I want us to read verse 1 and verse 2. And here we find the requirement of a steward. In 1 Corinthians 4 and in verse 1, let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. That's the requirement. That's the requirement. That's the only requirement I know of, and it covers so much. It's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. A steward must always have both the will and the best interest of his master at his heart. That must always be his intent. And always remember that the things that he is overseeing belongs to another. He's managing the affairs of another and that is the job of a steward. And I want us to see this afternoon or this evening that those who make up the household of God are stewards of God. There's been something that has been committed unto our trust, and we are to maintain it, we are to oversee it, we are to take care of it, we are to manage the affairs of those things that has been given unto us. I'm going to mention this also in relationship to that. There is nothing in the Bible that minimizes the Lord's churches. There's nothing that belittles them. There's nothing that minimizes their role, their responsibility, the importance of the Lord's churches. Things have been given, committed to the trust of the Lord's churches, and we are to be good stewards, as our, our text says, faithful and wise stewards of the things that are committed unto us. Back in the book of Luke, this time to chapter 19, Luke, and in chapter 19, here I'm going to read verse 12 and verse 13. It's in the middle of a parable. You might want to look at some things that Jesus is saying. 
But in Luke chapter 19 and in verse verse 12, he said, Therefore a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for him for himself a kingdom and to return. That does not remind you of Jesus. I don't know what would. He's left. He's going to receive a kingdom and he's going to return in verse 12. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. That's the phrase I want you to see. It certainly has to do with being a good steward of the things of God, a faithful and a wise steward. But the phrase, occupy till I come. The word occupy is a commercial or a business word. And it it simply carries the meaning of, in my absence, you carry on the business. Here in this context, the nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom, and he's going to come back. And he called his ten servants and delivered unto them ten pounds and said unto them, You carry on the business in my absence. It's what the phrase occupy until I were come. It is the role and the duty of a faithful and a wise steward. Something has been committed to your trust. And we are to handle it deliberately and very carefully. Occupy until I come. Now, I will point out again, and I want you to just notice the wording in verse 13, and deliver them delivered them. That's an important word. He gave something to them. It was his and he turned it over to them for them to to carry on while he was gone. Keep that in mind if you would and look in the book of Jude and in verse 3. In the book of Jude and in verse 3 Here Jude did write, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith, and notice this, which was once delivered unto the saints. To contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Something has been delivered unto the people of God. It is termed here by Jude as the faith. The faith. Earnestly contend for the faith which was once, and we could say once for all time, delivered unto the saints. And we are to earnestly contend for it this is stewardship this is taking care of what was delivered unto us now if you hold your place and you need to follow me carefully in this I'm going to Matthew chapter 28 
And I want us to compare some scripture with scripture. Some scripture in Matthew chapter 28 coincides with what Jude did right in verse 3 of his book. In Matthew chapter 28, you're familiar with verse 19 and verse 20, and we'll read this. Matthew 28, 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. We know that means to make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. When you read in verse 20, where it says, teaching them, teaching them. Who is this that is spoken of here as them, teaching them? Well, it's those baptized believers. We're to make disciples. We are to baptize them. Then we are to teach them. But what are we to teach them? What is it we are to teach them? Jesus said, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. An important word in verse 20, I think the definition is lost many times. It's not mentioned many times. The word observe in verse 20 does not mean obey. You can look it up in a concordance, any Bible dictionary. It does not mean obey. The word observe here by definition means to maintain. It means to hold fast. It means to to not lose or literally to prevent from escaping. Jesus was saying here in verse 20, teaching them to observe, teaching them, as Jude said, to earnestly contend for the faith. To earnestly contend for the faith. And it's really in the present tense, it means teach them to keep on maintaining the faith. Taking care of of the faith. The words also have this meaning. All things whatsoever I have commanded you, he said in verse verse 20. And these words correspond with what Jude did right, the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. The very same thing. The commission is given under the Lord's churches. And the Lord's churches are to maintain. They are to hold fast. They are to guard. They are to make maintain them and make sure they don't lose them. And the word here again means to prevent from escaping. Don't let them go. They are to earnestly contend for the faith. I'm going to the book of John. 
in the book of John and in chapter 14. I'll try to use some verses to explain what I just said. In John chapter 14, I'm going to read verse 15 through verse 17. John in chapter 14, verse 15. And when one of them that sat at meat with him heard these things, he said unto unto him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many, and sent his servant at supper time to them that were bidden come for all things that are ready. And they, excuse me, I'm in the wrong chapter. There was a good point there I was supposed to make with that. John chapter 14, excuse me, verse 15. Notice what Jesus said. If you love me, keep my commandments. Keep my commandments. In verse 14, if you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, he said, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. Notice in verse 15 the word keep. And again, Bible definitions are important. The word that's translated keep in verse 15 is the very same word that is translated observe in Matthew 28, 20. That's the meaning, keep it. Keep it, guard it, safeguard it. The ye in verse 15 would be those wise and faithful stewards of of the things of the Lord. And if you look in verse 15, he said, If you love me, keep my commandments. His commandments are the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. It's the same as what he said in Matthew 28, 20, Whatsoever I have commanded thee, The faith that was once delivered unto the saints. We are to observe them. And again that word observe does not mean obey. It means keep them, guard them, maintain them. This has been delivered unto the Lord's churches. The faithful and wise servants of the Lord will never let these things slip away. Notice what's written in Hebrews in chapter 2. In Hebrews and in chapter 2. In verse 1. Hebrews 2 and in verse 1. Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard lest at any time we should let them slip.
slip. Let them just slip. That phrase there is a, a nautical phrase. It has to do with you tie a ship up, a boat up at the dock. But you don't tie that knot real well and the, leave it alone a little bit. The boat will move with the waves. The knot will come unloose and that boat will slip away. It'll slip away. The faithful and wise stewards, the Lord's churches, are to keep these things. Guard the faith, maintain the faith, contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. As it says here in verse 1, lest at any time we should let them slip. Or it could be understood unless we slip away from them. That's what's happened to many churches across our land. They have let the things of God, the faith, slip, and they themselves have slipped away. They've drifted away from the things of God. When you look back to the book of Jude and in verse 3, Jude and in verse 3, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you. And don't overlook that. For he's writing by divine inspiration. It was necessary, it was needful for Jude to write these things and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. When you read the words there, the faith, what is this? What is this? I'll mention first of all what it is not. It is not an individual's faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not what we commonly call saving faith. The faith that is mentioned in verse 3 is doctrine. It is the entirety of the body of faith. And within the Bible, we have the body of faith, which was once delivered unto the saints. The faith is biblical theology. It is biblical Christology. It is uh, true eschatology. It is ecclesiology. It goes from the prophets, Genesis, all the way to Revelation. It is the Faith. It is the true system of faith. And Jude says we are to earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Look in the book of Romans for a moment. In Romans and in chapter 6. Romans and in chapter 6. Now I'm going to read verse 17. Romans 6 and then verse 17. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Notice again, this was delivered you. The faith that was once delivered unto the saints. Here it is called that form of doctrine. That form of doctrine. 
That's the faith that was delivered unto the saints. This form of doctrine that he writes about here is what Jesus has committed unto his churches. That's what we are to contend for. Look back to the book of Acts and then chapter 6. Acts and then chapter 6. And I'm going to read verse 7. Acts chapter 6 and then verse 7. And the word of God increased and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to what? The faith. The faith. It's there once again. From there I'm going to the book of Galatians. Galatians and in chapter 1 and in verse 21. Galatians 1 verse 21. Afterward I came into the regions of Syria and Cilicia and was unknown by face unto the churches of Judea which were in Christ. But they had heard only that he which persecuted us in times past now preaches the faith, the faith which he once destroyed. That phrase is important, the faith, the faith. From there I'm going to the book of Titus in chapter 1. Titus and in chapter 1 I'm going to begin in verse 10 For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers especially they of the circumcision whose mouths must be stopped who subvert whole houses teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake one of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said, the, the Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and slow bellies. This witness is true. Wherefore, rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in the faith. The faith. Not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men, that turn from the truth. The last words in verse 13, the faith. The last words in verse 14, the truth. Jude wrote, we are to earnestly contend for the faith, which was once delivered unto the saints. When Jude said earnestly contend, Certainly that involves great effort. The wording ca carries the meaning of agonize at this. I mean, it is something that has to be really worked at. We are, are to safeguard what has been committed unto our trust. And I'll add, no matter what the cost. No matter what the cost. If we're going to be faithful and wise stewards of the, what's been given unto us by the Lord, 
it's going to require work. It's not something that's going to be easily done. We are to safeguard it, to keep it. I mentioned earlier that the word observe in Matthew 28, 20 has the meaning of to guard, to hold fast, to prevent from escaping. I'm going back to the book of John again, to chapter 14. John in chapter 14, I'm just going to mention a few verses here and some wording in the verses. I mentioned earlier, in John chapter 14 verse 15 the word keep there is the same word that's translated observe in Matthew 28 20 if you look at verse verse 21 he that hath my commandments and keepeth them same word observe in Matthew chapter 28 and in verse 20 in verse 23 Jesus answered and said unto him if a man love me he will keep and again by definition that word keep does not mean obey it means to guard it to take care of it to maintain it to safeguard it same word it's used in Matthew 28 and in verse 20 the same is true in verse 24 the same is true there if you look in John chapter 15 and in verse 10 if you keep my commandments if you keep them safe if you keep them safe take care of it contend for it in the book of 1 John the book of 1 John and in chapter 2 1 John and in chapter 2 and in verse 3 and hereby we do know that we know him if we keep same word his commandments he that saith I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him but whoso keepeth his word, that's earnestly contending for the faith. Whosoever keepeth his words, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. In the same book, look in chapter 3, 1 John chapter 3. And in verse 24. He that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit which he hath given us. Again, that word keepeth in verse 24. The same word that's translated observe in Matthew chapter 28 and in verse 20. One more place in, in 1 John chapter 5. Verse 1, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone that loveth him that beget, loveth him also that is begotten of him. 
By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. Again, to keep, to maintain it. Don't lose it. The word keep in all of these verses that I read means to maintain and hold it fast. Keep it. Keep it. It means the same as Jude did right. Earnestly contend. Now in 1 John also, I want you to look in chapter 3. 1 John and in chapter 3, Verse 22. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him. I know it's because we do two things. Because we do two things. We keep his commandments. We hold them fast. But also do those things that are pleasing in his sight. The two things there, keep and do. We know we are to obey the word of God. But I think sometimes churches lose sight of the fact they're to contend for the faith. That's what Jesus said in the commission by the word observed. Teach these baptized believers to contend for the faith, to guard it, to safeguard it, maintain it. There is no doubt we're to be obedient. We are to obey. But if we do not guard and maintain what has been delivered unto us, there's nothing to obey. If you don't keep the faith, maintain the faith, what is there to obey? The keeping, the guarding is done by us earnestly contending for the faith. But what I see today in many churches is that they have not kept the faith, they've not maintained it, and therefore there's nothing to obey in the churches. And that's why people can be there and comfortable there that are not saved because there's no obligation put up on the membership. To obey, to, to be obedient unto the things of God. If you don't keep the faith, there's no faith to obey. There's nothing to obey. We are to contend for what is right in a religious world that's all wrong. That's the obligation of the Lord's churches. Maintain what is right in a religious world that is all wrong. I'm going to read in 1 Thessalonians in chapter 2. In 1 Thessalonians and in chapter 2, verse 1 through verse 4. For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you, that it was not in vain, but even after that we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know, at Philippi, 
We were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. For our exhortation was not of deceit nor uncleanness, but nor in God. But as we were allowed of God, notice this now, to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God which trieth the heart. Put in trust with the gospel. Something has been committed unto our trust. Second Timothy and in chapter 1, Now read verse 13 and verse 14. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 13. Notice what it says. Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed unto thee keep by the Holy Spirit which dwelleth in us. Keep it. Keep it. I'm going to close by just reading in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Once again, verse 2. Where Paul did write, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. That's the requirement of a faithful and a wise steward. Just be faithful. I'm going to stop here. Let's stand for a word of prayer. Our Father, again, we thank you for your word and we're thankful that we're able to come here this evening and study a portion of it. I do pray that you'll give us understanding. Help us to know our responsibility as one of the Lord's churches to earnestly contend for the faith. Help us to guard it, to maintain it, always have it in safekeeping. Help us to be faithful unto you with no regard of the judgment of this world. We're thankful you have committed these things unto our trust. We're thankful for our Savior. We're thankful for him that gave this commission unto his churches to observe these things, to keep these things. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.